0: Hi, I'm Keegan. This is A Bunch of Gamers and GM Talks. I'm joined by my lovely assistant, Brennan. And you know, we're both very lovely because we never show our faces. Uh, And we are joined by Dave and Uriah.
1: How's it going?
0: Dave and Uriah have uh, created their own game, Everlore. And we're kind of curious about that. We're going to talk about games, talk about their game, and then, you know, break it down how either of these fine gentlemen... Run their games, how they GM, and any tips they might be able to give for how to GM Everlore. Gentlemen, welcome.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, man.
0: So I, I did a little bit of reading of Everlore, uh, and I'm looking at the character sheet um, as well. But what, what's the. I know that Everlore is about kind of a Conan esque sword and sorcery with more inclusion involved. Uh, do you want to expand upon that for our listeners?
1: Well, the, the Conan aspect was um, more in lines with one of the uh, one-shots that we were doing. Um, it It is generally in that sort of genre, um, but the idea is that um, it's set in a world where um, the cultures sort of blend. Uh, there's a... Um, a thing that happens called the Legion, and ever so often that's just a massive army that is created whenever the god Shamira says, hey, go destroy something. Uh, so that um, army leaves the continent of Mortir, and it arrives wherever Shamira wants it to, and it just starts destroying stuff. Um, the, the people that are then displaced from the war uh, sc- scatter. And so they go and they create new communities in different places. And so um, that's sort of how, you know, the the races and everything blends. Um, but it's also why everybody um, uh, sort of has, you know, like a, a militant bent. Um, because, you know, they never know when the Legion is going to come.
0: That makes sense. Okay. Um, so what kind of fantasy... So- oh, go ahead, Bren.
1: Uh
3: Is the Legion then, it's more like an... A natural disaster type thing or it just is general buildup over time
1: of- well it, um, I would look at it more like the the natural disaster um, the the inhabitants that live on Mortir, um they're basically sort of all the races that are sort of given to their evil nature and uh, whenever Shamir orders uh, the legion quickly comes together over the span of you know a few uh, weeks and months, and then they, you know, as a mass, will go and destroy whatever he wants them to. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Um, interesting. That is interesting. I, I kind of like that. And I have the map up. So were you, uh, for the map, were you inspired by kind of more real-world continents then?
2: Um, yeah, we were. we were... We took a lot of inspiration... From what we uh, see around us and in, in real life. Um, but essentially, uh, it is two times bigger than Earth.
1: Um, and it's also sort of like flipped. Go ahead. So, so that way, um, basically, what we did is like, when we were thinking about it, um, you know, we we took Earth, we, we like, you know, obviously, Earth has some good things going. And so we just inverted it. Um, it is twice as large as as the Earth is, um, and of course it doesn't have the population that we have. Um, so we designed it that way because there's huge swaths of the regions um, in, in every continent that are unexplored. And so we wanted to make sure that future lore masters, uh, we call them LLMs, um, that future lore masters have a lot of open area in order to explore their own ideas of everlore.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I- that's always a good thing. Uh, good setting is enough to inspire, but plenty to grow, right?
1: That's the yeah. idea. That is, that's the hope.
0: So I'm looking at the character sheet, and uh, I know one of the people on the Facebook page had mentioned that it, it is a bit intimidating, uh, what would you say to someone about being intimidated on how ease of use and how intuitive it is once you start playing? Because looking at a blank character sheet, I, I understand, is not necessarily indicative of complexity of the game.
2: Um, let's see. Um, I guess, thinking about what what you've said, Ed, I I did find that going through the game and playing it, it does become a lot uh, easier. Um, in terms of character creation, uh, at the beginning, it gives you a lot more freedom because we want you to be able to make unique characters. Um, and so we pushed for uniqueness. Um, and then once you sort of get a grasp of... of, of how that works and how that plays into each other, it becomes way easier because as you progress uh, with our point by system, um, everything sort of leads into each other. And so, you know, um, it becomes a lot easier to handle and everything doesn't change at once. I think it's a lot in terms of in the beginning, it may seem like a lot, but once you start doing like the first part and then you get to the second part of the sheet and so on and so forth, it's like, oh, wow. Okay, this all leads into each
1: other. And so it becomes way easier. And I uh, I think uh, just to pick up on that, um, just like with you know every new thing that you're learning, uh, it does seem daunting and I get that. Um, but what we what we did when determining how to set up the book um, and even how to sort of set up characters in general is I thought about you know how how is it like you know for us on earth? Um, when we're born, we're born with certain sort of inherent abilities. And we call those traits so at the very top left of the uh, character sheet you have your traits and your personas so that's the basis of everything else um, so once you identify the numbers that you want to be want to put in your traits uh, you guys will notice as you look through the rest of the character sheet that those numbers just get translated to other calculations okay. um, and so, so it's, it's a lot more simple once you understand. Sort of how it goes so you start with your traits after that you have aptitudes and those are what you're just naturally good with as you grow up and so those don't require um like school training or anything like that then on the back of it towards the bottom there are proficiencies and proficiencies are like things that you have to train for Mm -hmm. you know what we would consider like higher education or something like that and so once you get sort of those basics Um, then that informs the rest of the sheet. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. So is this a D20 system then? I saw that you use all the standard D&D dice uh, in one of your uh, promotions, but I wasn't sure if this is very similar to D20 or if there is a unique spin to Everlore.
1: It's not really a a D20. It's actually um, more based on the 12-sided um that's what we use for most of our roles Mm -hmm. um it's it's very rare that you would use a a 20-sided die in our game Mm -hmm. um there are some creatures that can deliver that much damage and stuff like that but it's essentially based on the d20 so um, i'm sorry the d12 thank Mm -hmm. you so as you guys are looking at the character sheet and um like under the middle section where you see the um the mab the melee attack bonus and things like that that calculation is added to a D12. And that's how you determine your, su- your success or failure with roles.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Very cool.
3: I've heard rumors of the fabled D12 system, but I've never encountered it. <laughs> yes, yeah, That's awesome.
2: Uh, it's brought to life now. So that's what we, <laughs> that's what we wanted to do. Um, so- also, I, I did want to let you guys know about the character sheet. One other thing to note, we... we did uh, make two videos in, uh, sort of explaining how to how creating a character works uh, to make that a lot easier uh, for anyone out there on our YouTube manchild LTD um, So
1: and that's okay. also on our on our website um, under the content section um, of more of the lore so that way we know that you know we, we're trying to address any concerns that people may have yeah and so that's one of the things we put out there yeah okay
0: Okay, I will make sure to uh, link that in the description of both the Podbean and the YouTube account.
3: Bam. Great. Uh, Awesome. Thank you.
0: So uh, with you guys making D12 systems, when are you guys going to move on to uh, a D4 system so we just have everything?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're not there yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that would even be more complicated. (laughs) I'm not even
1: sure. That sounds daunting to me.
3: (laughs) Why why did you guys choose the D12 in favor of over other systems?
1: Um, you know uh it, it felt good to me. Um you know and uh I had I played, you know, D&D in the past and um dabbled in in a few of the other systems um but none of them really sort of called out to me. Um and so in doing this, um over the years I was just thinking if I were to make the game that I want to make, what would I use? And it just turned out that the D12 fit better into the concept of, of what I was going for.
2: Yeah, it definitely hits that like sweet spot in terms of how the game uh, works and how it how you play it, because uh, thinking about rolling with a D20 seems like that's way too high in terms of adding on to your rolls. Uh, you, you just seem way stronger. Uh, and then going down to a d10 doesn't seem like it has that same oomph as as the d12 for some weird reason so it it does kind of hit that like nice sweet spot where like if you roll an 11 you're like ah i was so close whereas if you rolled a nine you're like well it was a nine like you know what i mean no
3: i I get you yeah
0: i got you also the d12 is like i think the d12 is a little bigger than the d20 in at least some sets so Mm -hmm. you might be onto something about that heft (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and so because of that then uh with the d12 would you say that your system is less uh i guess i don't know if there's a good way of putting it, but less swingy than a d20 system
1: um it, i i think um it is and that was sort of one of the um hurdles that we actually encountered during our testing um because we we realized when we were creating like enchanted items and things like that that um you know initially we were giving bonuses of like 15 or 20 to something um, but that way outclassed the um the d12 of the role Mm -hmm. and so that um we we, that forced us to sort of rejigger what we were thinking um and In order to make sure that it does stay relatively balanced Mm -hmm. um you know we had to work within those confines Mm
4: -hmm. Hmm.
0: very cool do you have any uh do you have a question there brennan
3: yeah i i'm just wondering now like uh with the whole legion uh like not flavor but like the legion bearing down um every so often, uh, what sort of games do you guys tend to run? Uh, you both run it, I presume, or, uh, do you prefer to play it more?
2: Yeah, we, um, well, <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, we do both run because we both like playing. Uh, so it sort of gives that like break where we can just sort of enjoy being our characters as well as, you know, forming a story that hopefully everybody who watches enjoys, uh, along with us. Um, in terms of the legion um the sort of things that we run uh, there's a lot of things on top of the legion but there's a lot of things that impact the world um and affect a lot of the stuff that we run so the legion has a big uh effect in terms of a lot of the lore and the history and then if it's there obviously that's a big situation as well but uh, the Legion is just one example of the many like pillars that the world is sort of standing on uh, that affect a lot of the things.
1: I'm just going to add just with the idea of the Legion is since that's something that's not a constant threat, um, it's sort of in the back of everyone's mind, mm-hmm. and so that helps sort of flavor, um, you know, the the your 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 player's understanding of the world that hey, you know, um, most cities, nearly all cities are going to have some type of huge wall structure. You know, most of the citizens are going to train since a very young age to defend themselves. So that's the idea. Um, but I think your your question was, what are some of the other pillars?
3: Um, yeah, like, so the Legion kind of makes it a more warlike society. It kind of flavors the culture. Like, uh, what are some of the other things? Or things that influence your play style or DM style, LM style?
2: Um, I I would say one of my favorite uh, flavors of the world um, is the Blood Moon. (laughs) Um, And essentially, what this is, is it's like a a comet that uh, passes uh, Mithandria every 13 years. Um, and what that what that does is like people who uh, cast spells, mages, uh, people who are really good in that arena uh, for a period of time won't even be able to use that. And then on the back end, they will experience sort of more potency or like an extra oomph when they do that. Um, so that also adds a little bit of something because now people are counting down every 13 years when that happens or um, things with the. Uh, the blood moon is my favorite honestly
1: and uh go ahead well and also um we we try to tie in a lot of sort of mystique that's going on um in each of the different continents mm-hmm. um so one of the things that happens is there are there's a guy named naman mm-hmm. and he is essentially the most powerful being on Mythandria, yes. uh, and he has uh agents that are um sort of it's a sort of um symbiotic relationship with him, and they're called the Hidden Ones. And so um, they carry out his will throughout Midian. Um, Most of the time, these guys are are not seen, but every once in a while they are. And when they do, they impact others. Um, So one of the Hidden Ones, his name is Azamiz, and he's sort of like a genetic tinkerer. Um, And so he manipulates different races and creatures and stuff like that to create something new um and uh it just so happened that he was seen by a guy named Nordamo Shalal and um Nordamo seeks to become as a Miz. and so he starts to tinker but um whereas as a Miz, um is not sort of good or bad Nordamo unfortunately starts to lean towards the evil side um so his creations are often a little bit more wicked um, and so there's just different things like that that uh, your character can encounter as you're going through uh, Everlore. I mean, there's even a uh, a
2: world beast. That's that's fun. Uh, not fun to run into, but definitely fun <laughs> to think about conceptually. Uh, this giant uh, world beast that just, no one can mess with even a fraction of its body. Yeah. <laughs> like That would take you out instantly. Um, but it, it also affects a lot because, you know, uh, there are people who uh, look at the world beast and uh, don't want to make it angry. <laughs> Definitely don't want to do that. Okay, but, right. yeah. <laughs> Neat.
0: So you, you, you've you mentioned uh, fantasy races a couple times. Uh, what kind of fantasy races do you have, and how are they distinguished from other settings?
2: Um, so we have, in terms of playable races so far, we have your humans, you know, and then we have... Uh, Elves, but then we have a bunch of different categories like uh, Cloud Elves. Um, We have Wood Elves, Wild Elves, things like that. We have Gnomes, uh, which are playable. They're really cool. Um, Different subcategories there, too. We've got uh, Halflings. We have uh, two different kinds of Dragon Spawns, uh, Rorgans and uh, Drakens. Uh, We've got what are called Bird So think... uh, sort of badger people. Yeah, sort of like badger people. Um, And then uh, we have things like Shikarin, we have uh, things like uh, Natari and Nator, which I think people who can like manipulate sort of their bone structure. Um, And then uh, we have thing called the Shorn, Uh, just just a bunch of uh, uh, different sort of races. And then when you think of your and dwarves, you can't forget about the dwarves. Um, But we have we have a bunch of different uh, subcategories. Personally, dwarves are one of my favorite, because when you think of a dwarf, in our world, um, the most common is what's called a shield dwarf. So that would be what generally you would think of when I say, oh, we have dwarves, but then we have other categories like uh, we have Vulcan dwarves, Um, and they live sort of at the core of Mithangia. So they, they have a different set of abilities that's kind of crazy. Um, then we have uh, Sorin dwarves, which are winged dwarves that uh, that can fly and do some crazy stuff. And they're really good tunnelers. We have Mairen dwarves, so dwarves that live underwater. And the same goes for every other um, sort of race where we, we do have what you would normally think of. But then we also played around with the idea of... What if you have a Vlel, which is a half-elf and half-something else? Um, and what if you have something here and different categories for that?
1: Some of the things that, that make it a little bit unique, um, even in dealing with the sort of traditional races, like our halflings, um, they're not actually born. Um, they're actually created as um, from the shards of the Blood Moon. And so um, their society is... is uh, ordered around secrecy so that no one knows where their origin is. Um, Otherwise, people might collect the shards and essentially in the halfling race. Um, But, you know, there's uh, differences in like with the gnomes. Um, Our gnomes are more um, weather focused and they have elemental affinities. Mm -hmm. And so um, think of them while they still do sort of tinker, they're more um, sort of scientific um, in that aspect, and um, so they follow weather weather patterns and help farmers and things like that. Uh, so, in dealing with what the, the traditional races, um, we changed those up a bit, uh, but we also did include, you know, just some of the the cooler races like the Shorn. Um, they're also called the Undying because um, <laughs> they actually have what's called shadows, so they can actually live nine separate times um and each time they die and they come back as a new shadow they're a little bit more immune to whatever killed them the first time mm-hmm. um so there's just oh, a oh that's things. cool
0: so you, <laughs> made, so you guys made doomsday
2: <laughs> 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 essentially yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well doomsday wishes you were as cool as these Shorn. yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the idea of the shorn is that um the reason they're called Shorn is because um, during the first war of the legion um, that threatened to destroy um, Mithandria to begin with, um, they were actually part of what's called the Sharazon, and they were creatures that live within the plane of the Shadow Sea. And the Shadow Sea is where magic actually comes from. And so they were very magical, and they came and they fought on the side of the legion. Well, um, this displeased Bushima, the Allfather, who is the father of the gods, um, because they were actually fighting against his prime beings called the Promessens. And he wasn't happy with that. So, any of the Sharazons that were uh, on Mithandria, he actually severed their link back to Shadow Sea. So, they were shorn from the Shadow Sea. And so, um, their descendants are now the shorn that exist on Mithandria and they are um, they are of two minds Um, half of them feel we need to make sure that we do everything right so that Bushima will be happy and reward us with sending us back to the shadow realm while the others feel like let's make him regret his decision so we're going to be as evil as we can so that's sort of the sharn.
0: okay Uh, just looking things over what are the and I I apologize um what is what would you call the core books of Everlore? I see the the Travel Compendium and the Kingdom's Come, uh those see and yeah. uh the Monster Menagerie? Are those the three core or
2: Yeah, so the the core books are uh there are five core books. Um the Travelers Compendium like you said, Monster's Menagerie, Um, And Thy Kingdoms Come are all part of that. Then we have The Chronicler's Delight, um, and we also have Inception Inception as the core books. Um, Each one sort of plays its own role. So Traveler's Compendium is uh, the book that everyone needs to uh, have in terms of being able to play. That gives you how to create your character, all the, the list of spells, equipment, all that stuff. It's sort of like your personal handbook. For uh, being a player, the, the menagerie the monster's menagerie, the big boy is for uh, lore masters, so it has a list of all the creatures um, well a lot of the creatures that are in mythandria, um, so that you know, you can effectively run any sort of kind of session you want to have, um, and then the other three are more about lore, um, so inception talks about the beginning uh, of mythandria. Um,
1: which is what I've read through partially, the other two. Yeah, and that, um, so with Inception, that carries you from uh, the, the pantheon of deities that currently rule over Mithandria. Um, they were not native to the realm of Everlor. Mm-hmm. And so Inception explains how they came into the realm of Everlor. Um, when they first arrived in the realm, there were already a faction, uh, two different factions of warring gods and um, the the current pantheon eventually defeats those two factions. Um, During that process, the realm is basically shattered asunder, and so um, they go about rebuilding it, and they create Mithandria. Um, And then they place their first beings on Mithandria, which are the prime beings, uh, and then um, over time, the Great War of the Legions happens. And so that's all... um, encapsulated in Inception, which it's a, it's a 22, I think, page book. And so it's a, it's a, it's a good summary of what happened. Um, then by Kingdoms Come, it deals with 10 of the most prominent kingdoms of Midian, Mm -hmm. which is the primary continent that we're dealing with in our first edition. And, um, it also talks about some of the factions that your characters may encounter, but then discusses some of the sort of, um, internecine uh, conflicts that can happen within the different communities and cultures and things like that. Um, and then the uh, Chronicler's Delight is again for the Loremaster. Um, that goes into a little bit more information, um, sort of behind the scenes information and explains the various cities of the halflings, um, some of the cities of the Zulu nation and things like that. Um, so each of those five books work in, conjun- in um, conjunction in order to, Provide all the information that the lore master would need. But as a player, um, I would recommend definitely getting the Travis Compendium um, and then also uh, Inception, so you have a broader understanding of the world.
0: Okay. Uh, what would? You, what are some of your uh, primary inspirations from history and fiction when uh, you guys created this setting?
1: Um, I, uh, I. I Wow! When I was doing this, <laughs> um, I researched a ton of uh, historical um, uh, cultures. Uh, real big um, influence with Native American, a um, mm-hmm. bunch of different African cultures. Um, I pulled a lot from sort of the Scandinavian Vikings, as well as from uh, Polynesians. Uh, so the the ten primary cultures of um thy kingdoms come uh, they are drawn from those different elements mm-hmm. um i even um like the Visithians are sort of patterned after um ancient egypt and so um what i did in trying to make sure that this was a world that focused on diversity is i looked at all of the various cultures in our actual history um and want to make sure that they were represented in the book
2: mm-hmm. And while also understanding that uh, we want to create a world where we give a lot of room and a lot of space for uh, other cultures to be in there as well. And um, yeah, (laughs) I didn't know where I was going with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's greatly appreciated. I always enjoy when uh, the default is ignored for something more interesting. And hopefully that becomes more the rule than the exception. Oh, yeah,
1: Mm, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, and I think, um, you know, as we are crafting our games um, for... Because I run a session, um, I run a current um, stream, Evermore with Everlore, and uh, Uriah has just started um, leading another group that will, in probably about three or four months, uh, be our second official stream. Um, And so we've been crafting stories that intertwine, um, but that also don't focus on each of the individual, individual cultures. What they do is they focus on sort of satellite cities and communities outside of the culture, mm-hmm. um, but they do interact with those cultures.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. As,
3: as far as the, uh, the r- recent uh, comments, um, do, how often do you guys play? And do you have as much trouble as the meme community suggests oh. with scheduling your games?
2: <laughs> um, well, we play once a week with Evermore with Everlore. We do that uh, every Thursday nights at 6 uh, o'clock. So uh, we stream that on Twitch. So uh, if you guys want to check that out, twitch.com forward slash Everlore game. Um, and uh, we do that. It was a little bit difficult at first to get everyone to meet. Um, but we're like, I want to say maybe a month in. Everyone's sort of gotten that groove, like, okay, we're meeting six o'clock Thursday night, be there. Um, and we also sort of do this uh, sort of incentive thing, where if you confirm that you're going to be there, we'll give you an EP. Uh, because EP is super important in terms of progressing your
1: character in the game. And EP is experience points. Yes. Uh, but the, and then the other group that we're starting, they actually meet uh, weekly on Mondays. And so um, they're not live on Twitch yet, but they're working on that. And, and basically what we're trying to do is just make sure that we get the branding so that they get the understanding of uh, what sets um, Everlore apart. Mm-hmm. And so once they understand that and they understand how to play that, then we'll be able to share that with everyone else.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah, you guys are brave for screaming. I, I could never do it. All of our uh, all of our recorded games are uh, podcasts, and that way we sound way cooler than we actually are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, streaming. um, It's it's interesting. Um, We have a um, we have people from. I think when we first started, my my youngest son was 11. Yeah. Um, and uh, my brother at the time was like 48. So or 46. So well, I mean, we run the gamut, you know, and obviously everyone had different experience levels. Yeah. Um. So even now, it's it's funny because you know you have a thought in your mind, but when somebody says something to your character and you're sort of put on the spot, nobody knows how to react. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. So that that's always interesting. Um. Another thing I find is that uh, even though we sort of craft the story, um, uh, it's it's mainly character driven, and so. Um, the way we do it is we want to make sure that as lore masters, we're flexible enough to give player agency so that they can impact the story. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things that happened um, during the game, you know, characters will do something that I had not anticipated. <laughs> yeah. And so that completely changes what's oh, yeah. going, going on <laughs> down the line. It, def-
2: it definitely does change uh, a lot. Um, but it just to sort of echo what he was saying, we did want to make sure that we were flexible enough because the only thing, well, maybe not the only thing, but what I feel like a lot of players when they play tabletop role-playing games is that they want to have a character that impacts the world, canonically. You know what I mean? And um, and so we wanted to make sure that we were flexible enough to give the player enough agency that if they did something that You know could potentially do that that it can do that and that they can see it happen in the world around them um so that was that was a really big push and then also just in terms of the system itself building in like things like lore's follies and vandador's delights that'll completely just change your entire your entire session (laughs) (laughs) throw out all your notes for that night like (laughs) but it's still fun it's a lot
1: of fun and what What uh, Laura's following in Vanador Delights, um, essentially uh, what happens is um, when you are attacking someone or doing something like that, you roll a d12. Um, If you land on a natural 12, um, that's considered a singularity. Um, And then you roll again. And if you have another 12, then you've gotten to a Vanador's Delight. And at that point, um, what that represents is that Vanador, the god of um, adventure, (laughs) took note of what you were doing. And so he was going to have something special happen. So after that, you would roll um, d30. A, a d30, um, or you know, a d10 tw- and d20. Tw- um, and based on whatever number you come up with, that determines what happens. Um, conversely, with the Lore's Folly, um, if you roll a natural one, and then again another natural one, um, Lore, the god of um, the trickster, trickster. he takes note and he will do something sort of crazy. And so then you'd roll a D12 to determine what that outcome is.
2: Yeah, and, and there have been so many times where either one of those happens that just takes the world and the story that you know we've been working on and stuff into a completely new direction, <laughs> completely new. <laughs> um, but like, I think it's a lot better that way too because it gives that it gives the characters like yes I did something or oh and also it it helps a lot because um, it just it's a, it's a mutual good feeling between yeah. the LM and the players.
0: Fair. Um, going into that, then, uh, do you have any kind of hints for how you would roll roll with the punches regarding? Uh-
1: yeah, um, I th- I think for me, the best is to sort of have an understanding of mm-hmm. what the overall story arc is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding and, and thinking of um, what I look at is, um, and, and I actually take like, you know, tons of notes as I'm creating different sessions. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm always looking for ways to bring back something that was done maybe three months ago. And you know, sprinkle that in again. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, these the follies or something like that will give us opportunity to bring back something that the team uh, may not have realized was important, Mm -hmm. and then you link that to something down the line. I personally, um,
2: our lore mastering styles are a little bit different in that um, we do both take notes and we work on it and stuff. I'm definitely more of a wing it person. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I definitely. a lot Um, but I think he I I, I do want to echo what he said having that overall understanding of uh, just like the story itself it's sort of like I've created this sort of destination um, that hopefully the players want to go to if they don't they don't but I've created this destination and I don't really care how they get there they can fly they can walk they can swim they can drive they can whatever they want to do to get to that destination I don't care as long as that happens, so let them have fun along the way. You know what I mean. Um, that's kind of the approach that I take in terms of whenever they, uh, in terms of player player agency, and whenever they want to do something, rolling with the punches and stuff.
0: Okay, very cool. Uh, do you guys ever use random charts to help you just determine something that's completely you know wackadoo, and you're just like, all right, let's just
2: roll on the chart. <laughs> um, well, the book actually has um the book's uh Travel's compendium has for lore's follies and vanador's delight um when you roll your d30 or another d12 it'll show you what each roll could potentially do uh for the story so like for instance if you got a lore's folly and then you rolled an 11 um a dark version of you happens that <laughs> targets <laughs> you you know what <laughs> i mean so like that yeah that'll come out and just start Reckon you it has all the same stats as you and everything um and for some weird reason the dark versions always roll better that's so like true yeah. actual yeah. players
3: that's, that's been our experience yeah. at least in yeah. uh, one uh, one game where uh one of our players could not roll to save his life and then <laughs> Keegan used his dice and only rolled criticals ever? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, me, um, when I'm lore mastering, the roles I do as the lore master are really great. But whenever I roll for my character, Matototo, right. they suck. You know, right. and it just, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> that's um, how it always is, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, another thing with the the lore's folly is, like, if you roll a 12, um, that actually is... is that it takes you to the um, Chronicles of Delight. And basically what that one is, is um, it's recommendations for the Laura master to come up with something completely crazy,
4: mm-hmm. you
1: know? So there are some that are sort of determined, but then you can just make up whatever you want.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but what I, what I like about that is that it makes all the players vested in that role. Mm-hmm. So when you're rolling your dice and you hit the one, everybody's like, "Oh no!" You know, <laughs> or if you, the, you know, if you hit a twelve, they're like, "Yeah, yeah!" And then you roll a, a one after that, and they're like, "Oh!" <laughs> you know, so you
4: can really
1: see that action and you know that excitement. Um, and so that's that's one thing that we we really like about that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we like as lore masters is really playing up what happens at every hundred EP. Um, yes. because we don't, we don't level up characters the way we do is a point by system and you progress your character um, at any time by spending experience points that you get um, here or there to increase your proficiencies or aptitudes or something like that but at every hundred uh, there are three roles that you can do um, one is a base role to increase your, your attack stats, your base attack another is a base role to increase your investment and then the third is to increase your vitality Um, And so, you know, that's the time for your character to maybe boost up something by eight points. And so we're all excited about that. (laughs) But again, Matatopa always rolls like really, really low. (laughs) So I have the most EP, but my stats don't really show that out sometimes. It's
2: it's very interesting because between the two of us, we do have the two most. Like he's got the most, I have the second. Um, just because I'm an EP fiend. I mean, when you're talking about like when we give questions, when we talk about confirming, I like everything, I'm there, you know what I mean? Um, and so uh, it's very interesting because he's rolled ones quite a few times. Yes. yes. Uh, just for like boosting his stats. And I rolled for the first 300 or 400 EP or something like that straight twos for everything. <laughs> like only twos. And I was like, why? Like even when we were creating. Uh, the characters, uh, you have base numbers, so if you roll under the base, you'll get the base number that's yeah, designated it's... in the book. Even when we rolled for the characters at the creation, I rolled twos. So at zero to like 300 and something, only twos, and I was so bad. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is fun, because people are invested in those roles. Uh, everyone's hoping that you get higher roles. <laughs>
3: <laughs> On that front, uh, do you get EP off of uh, like combat experience or good role play or like lm caveat
2: definitely uh definitely role playing is a big push for us so we we do give uh experience for role playing um combat stuff if you survive combat and uh uh it was pretty good in terms of like creativity We definitely like to push creativity. We want you to think outside the box. So we do that. We also give questions about the story or about your characters and stuff to just really push the thinking and the uh, again, the
1: creative muscle in your brain, Um, but yeah. And we we don't have it set so that each encounter will deliver you three EP or anything like that. Right. Um, What we do initially, typically when we start a session, um, we do a recap for the prior week session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an opportunity for EP depending on how well you recap. Um, then there's uh, possibilities during the session, um, like if I've introduced a character like three weeks ago and you know um, he's important to the story or she's important to the story, and I say, so what was that person's name? If somebody can give that to me, then they may earn an extra EP. Right. Um, so it, it encourages them to keep their notes and keep active with the story. Uh, then at the end of each session, we typically will have, you know, three or four questions um, based on what was going on during that session. Mm-hmm. Um, and as people answer, then we determine how much EP they can get from that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So typically, first session, I I would imagine you get about six to ten EP. Yeah. Okay.
3: We'll go for- yeah? My time has come.
0: You're, oh, man. So- what was the character's name? so uh so you guys know brennan every time we have run a game together and i have some random Boblin the goblin show up he goes what's his name and he'll pull out his notebook and look at me intently. Hey, that's,
1: oh, that's right. that right. happens all the time well and, and, and it's funny because you know as we're streaming and i introduce a new character everybody will like and can you spell that yes <laughs> yes
2: that's the big question because we always we always have a laugh about that. And also um, it's interesting because uh, you're right when you do have some like random person or random thing whatever come up, they they j- typically ask the what's the name of them. But then when you have like planned someone to hopefully be interesting enough and enticing enough for them to ask and, and interact with, they're like whatever and I like walk past. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <they're> like, oh! <laughs> yeah that's the word. Yeah. Every it time
2: happens all man. All- it happens all the time.
0: <laughs> every time, man, every time. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, that this um, no. sounds uh, dangerous for me cuz I have a document right now with it and I'm just <laughs> adding them. I'm, I'm adding up the names as we speak.
4: Yeah, uh, yes, yes.
0: We're yeah. at <laughs> we're at uh, what uh 12 81 named characters. <laughs>
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 And
1: I have, a, I have a document like that that, that I keep as well. Yeah. You know, and the the cool thing is that, um, you know, when you when you progress your character in Everlore, you can do it at any time. So mm-hmm. as long as you get the EP for if you want to purchase a proficiency or raise your tw- trade or aptitude, you can do that. You don't have to wait to 100 or whatever. Um, so people are, are excited to get that EP because sometimes they're waiting for 21 so I can raise my agility from three to four you know mm-hmm. and so once they get that they're like yes you know and so um, that just constantly sort of feeds their their need to advance their character. I um, back to, uh, going to the, the name situation, uh, I
2: recently like maybe a month and a half ago, uh, decided that my character will have a second name, depending on what form he takes, uh, and that was an ordeal, I will tell you that. Like, It was so hard to get people to call me the name that I was as that other character, um, but I, I totally get it. I mean, we do have we have documents where we just have to write out all the names and all this stuff because um, all too often, though, and then a lot of the times we won't have the document pulled up i know i haven't had the document pulled up and i'll introduce someone that's just supposed to be in passing and they ask me the name and i have to come up with something <laughs> or, like the name of a store yeah. we're in, yep. so we're in Calixten right now and they asked me the name of this store, and I couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> so its canon name is, like, Earth Armor for Warriors. That's the name of the store. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was literally sitting there for, like, ten seconds, like, ah. No, man.
0: So yeah. I, I will um, say that, I have uh, ninety-eight named planned characters, and then I have my story doc with the in-session notes where there are more where people yeah, like, yeah, have his yeah, name, that's not and I'm heart just heart like, da, 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 right. da,
1: da. oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, one day um, we we hope to get into novels and video mm-hmm. games and things like that. And so uh, what I'm doing is I'm I'm tabulating all this information so that when we're ready to do that we have a plethora of of names and characters and you know how they interacted and everything like that to draw from
3: Mm. it as it uh on the whole i had a good effect on player involvement
1: oh yeah yeah um i you know i i think um it was interesting because when we first started, like I said, you know we we had varying levels of experience and and even now, um, some people are sort of a little shyer about sort of taking risks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but they're understanding that um, it's a complex world. And so you have to sort of stay on top of you know who the interactions you know are and who are the people you're meeting, um, because now they're understanding, yeah, you know, just because I thought this was a throwaway character, it might not be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and um, then also they're able to um, interact with characters um, that to them would be sort of like fabled characters. Uh, like uh, our, our team interacted with uh, Brea, and she is the um, leader of um, the Dragonauts. And they are basically a mercenary band that rides on dragons called Demigons. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when they met her, they were like all in awe of her. Um, and so just doing things like that, sprinkling in those little touches, um, really help them stay engaged.
3: Good deal.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh man. No, I don't, uh, we have our little podcast. We're doing werewolf, the apocalypse right oh. now. Mm. Uh, hence all the werewolf memes on the <laughs> page. <laughs> you know, uh, post your way to the top sort of thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: no, but, we understand.
0: yeah no it's it's good um, I don't know if you guys feel comfortable answering this but I was curious what it Uh, what are your opinions on the state of diversity in gaming and do you think it's getting better and what steps do you think the community could take to really allow more diverse voices into that space?
2: Um, I think my opinion on the state of diversity in gaming is that um, there has been a lot of change as of recently, Um, but for me, I've always been the... Um, If you want to see change, you have to be the change. Mm. Um, And so I see it, and to me, I'm like, that's not quick enough. Like, (laughs) In my personal opinion, I'm like, no, we we should see everyone, right? Because everyone wants to have fun, so why can't I see everyone, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so coming up with the concept of this game, and and also when it was introduced to me as a game where it promotes uh, the diversity and inclusion of everyone... I was like, oh, definitely, got to be a part of that and push this so that this can be seen by everyone, and you know, and, and sort of maybe take that giant step instead of the regular steps that have been taken, um, sort of sort of getting out of the uh, the mindset of walking and start sprinting. Um, but I, I do think I I would I would be cautious. About saying that there hasn't been any change because I have seen uh, the progress being made. I'm just kind of of the mindset we need to really push forward and make this happen a lot more
1: and what what I've noticed is um, I definitely do see there's been um, some additional representation like I understand that um, you know when you when you're looking and say like the D um, like D and b and you you go under humans. Um, You know there there's a black female which is which is great but Mm -hmm. what i find though is that um that's actually not integral to the story itself Mm -hmm. and so you know yeah there there is black but that's you know from the the culture way down south that is never ever really actually talked about um and so with everlore um you know we want to promote diversity and inclusion but we're not doing it with a hammer So the idea is that um, just like in our natural world when you walk around you can't tell if someone is gay or lesbian or whatever just by seeing them so in our world you don't know what someone is Mm -hmm. Um, definitely you can see someone's you know skin color um, but you don't really know much about them and so as a storyteller we then get to craft those stories and explain to you who these different people are.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so it's done in a way that it's just natural, they exist, mm-hmm. um, but it's not in a situation where everyone you welcome, welcome to is gay or something like that. Uh, it's just, we wanna make sure that there are people that represent you. Um, we have some characters that you know are um, physically disabled and things like that, um, and that's the kind of things that we want to be able to see.
0: Excellent. I 100% agree with both of you. And it's Dragon. good to see. Very good to see. So, thank you and for creating this game.
1: I appreciate no, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that you guys, you know, um, were willing to talk to us. I know that there have been some people, uh, when, they, when they see, you know, that we want to promote diversity and inclusion, they think that in some way we're saying, well, we're against D&D or we're against whatever and the way i look at it is it's addition and not a, not subtraction so we're, we're not against anything but we're trying to promote more mm-hmm. um and so like you know when 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 you walk through one of the Everlore cities you know there may be someone with you know dark brown skin or very pale skin or whatever and they're just going to be people you know yeah. it's just you're going to happen to see them you know and so uh that's what we're looking for
4: mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely agree and I'm um I think it's a good thing. Uh I, I I regret to inform you we have like ninety subscribers, so I don't know how far the message will go. Uh, that's
4: all
1: good. Hey, that's more <laughs> than we have.
0: <laughs> so but I want I wanted to have you guys on because I love to see one creators and two diversity and creation of these kinds of games because you know I want to see gaming grow. Yes, yes. Yes.
1: And that's one of the things that we're actually working on. Um, we've actually been speaking with one of the managers of a local Walmart. And um, we're actually trying to talk with um, local high schools um, in minority neighborhoods to um, get them more involved in gaming. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we're doing is Walmart is going to be offering um, scholarship. If they, um, uh, the students go through a program and essentially the program is going to be um them working with um man child in order to come up with different characters and creatures and things like that so it helps them understand that they too can dream like this. Um growing up, you know, it was I went to um a high school that was predominantly white and um the, the 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 white students there, you know, they did a lot of fantasy stuff. Um, but the, the black students there, as far as art, were often um, sort of steered towards, you know, well, you have to do sort of Afrocentric art, you know, and I want people to believe that they can do whatever they want to do. You don't have to be pigeonholed into one or another.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I, I'm glad to see Excellent. more diversity, too, because I picked up... Uh, Harlem um, Harlem Unbound by Chaosium.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's good to have those kinds of voices because I will admit I will make pitfalls, especially trying to run a more diverse world. And getting those kinds of voices in the, uh, the community can provide educational stuff so I don't yeah. fall into those um, pitfalls Oh, and, uh, unintentionally.
1: Know, and, I, and I get that and I appreciate that you said that, you know, and you know, we are also um, subject to that. Yeah. And so we mm-hmm. try to make sure that we're we're careful with this because um, in trying to explore and bring to you guys or to the world other cultures, you know, I want to be sensitive in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like our, our um, the Chow Sin, uh, the the kingdom of Chia Yusin, um it's patterned after Native Americans. Um, the kingdom of Apuni Lokahi is patterned after Polynesians. And so, um, in doing research and bringing the cultures to life, you know, and how we deal with that, I want to make sure that we don't fall in pitfalls of where we're just stereotyping, right? You know, and so right. um, I'm always trying to be cautious with that, and even you know how I deal with black characters and things like that. It's just always um trying to make sure that you're being respectful when you're representing them, yeah, understanding that accidents will happen, you mm-hmm. know, and you just learn from it and sort of move on mm-hmm.
2: uh-huh. I' definitely uh, seeking out uh, the education and I, f- I feel genuinely like as long as uh, as you're trying to, you you're doing that research, you're trying to make sure that you represent people um accurately and and are open to even more education about uh, cultures and things like that. I feel like people will see the heart in, in trying to bring everyone together. Um, and I think that's just the big deal. We, we we wanted to make a game where you could not only see our brainchild, but like our heart's desire in terms of building one giant community. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Hell yeah. Uh, we do have a pretty stock question. Uh, Brennan, do you have any uh, more questions? Otherwise, we can go to our, our big one.
3: Uh, I will put forth my own personal stock question. Uh, Dave, Uriah, when you get to play, what sort of characters do you prefer to play? Like, what's your go-to?
2: <laughs> um Very interestingly enough, uh, Dave and I created very similar characters uh, (laughs) that execute uh, just the way they are completely differently. Um, And we didn't plan this. We were both sort of about, we wanted to be balanced and we wanted to be sort of uh, able to try our hands at most things and stuff like that. Uh, But our, our execution was completely different, and that was kind of funny. Um, I t- I generally uh, lean towards um, a very super ambitious character. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that
1: he's saying delusional.
2: No, no. <laughs> I mean, partially, but um, I lean towards a, a super ambitious character that uh, really operates in sort of a moral gray and uses that to sort of learn, because while you're operating in that, there are plenty of times where you get burned, but also plenty of times where you meet uh, a lot of good. And so um, sort of just this uh, character who's in the embodiment of, I guess, naivety and exploring (laughs) that and true maturity for the character. That's what I opt for in terms of role-playing and making a character.
1: And and I, I generally lean towards sort of, characters that see themselves as like paragons of virtue um and uh so um you know in looking at the world um the way sort of magic works is that um when i cast a spell um it the the success of that will depend on a role of my spell dominance and it's contested by your magic resistance and so every creature in Everlore is endowed with core which gives them the ability to um to um fight against harmful magic Mm -hmm. and so what i do is i I sort of look for a character that is going to be sort of heavier in magic resistance um and then also has the ability to really knock you out with a sword or something (laughs) and so um i don't it's, it's worked out a little bit differently, but I, I didn't craft <laughs> Matatopa to be a, a spell caster. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of a mage killer. And mm. so, um, but you know, as you're, you have an initial concept of your character, but the beauty of being able to uh, spin EP sort of at will is you can quickly adapt your character. And so yeah. uh, we, Uriah and I both started out with sort of concepts of our character that have um, changed as we matured. It definitely in changed the game. a lot. Um, because like I said, well we both
2: outside of the game wanted someone who was kinda good at everything. Uh, he definitely focused on being more resistant to magic and having a little bit of oomph with his magic as my character, uh was definitely the puncher. He was <laughs> he really, he hit like a truck and he came in and uh, he slammed the door. That's what he did. Um and just going through I mean it was my character now has weapons. And he like concepting him, his whole thing was, I'm just gonna be strong without anything. Like he he didn't even use weapons to begin with, you know what I mean? Um, So just going through with that, like that EP stuff, it really uh, allows for versatility and change because I didn't like being locked into a certain thing once I started it, like, if I were to go the no weapons route, I mean, yes, that's cool. But like, I want the option to be able to use a weapon sometimes, <laughs> even if I didn't want to use it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being able to just be free, like, and 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 sort of make a way broader uh, uh, character uh, is a lot more fun, I think. In my opinion,
0: very cool. Uh, so, my my final question for this uh, little get together is this, uh, and you guys might be already in this. Uh, people have said that on here before but uh if resources people scheduling what have you was not an issue what would the dream game look like to you to run
2: well um it's very interesting uh that you say that i personally the dream game would be um we'd have a different office with a lot of personal Everlord gear. I like having like swords and stuff like that, but I would like to create some of the things that we have drawn out and and made in terms of our notes and stuff to actually see that on the wall and like, you know, where where the cameras can see us. And then um, the lighting uh, would definitely be uh, connected to each other to where we could change it. So, like, it would be blue if we were underwater for some reason, or it would be like red or orange to engage in combat or something that would be angry or something fiery. Um, and then uh, it would definitely be, <laughs> definitely would be with some food. <laughs> um, but just sort of a really cool, uh, in terms of aesthetic, and then a really natural. And uh, comfortable vibe in terms of uh, people getting like the players getting together and playing um, because I feel like that I don't really have to worry about that translating on camera if we feel actual and comfortable with each other.
1: Hmm. And, and I think for myself, um, I mean, <laughs> I'm an educator and and basically I'm, I'm self funding this, so our resources are definitely tight. Um, mm-hmm. So. If, if I had um, unlimited resources, one of the first things I would make sure is for our stream that we would have a designated mon- um, uh, chat monitor Yeah. Um, because we want to make sure that, you know, when people do communicate with us that we're able to really get back with them and sort of be more personable mm-hmm. uh, with them. Uh, another thing would be um, that hopefully we would have a more diverse audience um, Team, right mm-hmm. now we have uh six guys and so i'd, I'd <laughs> yeah. love to have you know a female or two on that uh, which we're, we're in the works on that but we don't have it just yet
4: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i would like that um and then also uh i would have the players spend more time sort of in the zone of their character yeah uh, because since you know most of us well my brother and myself and, and uriah we work you know full time and. The other ones are in school and things like that. So there's so many things that sort of distract from your character during the week um, that when they come together, uh, there there takes a little bit of time to sort of reconnect with that character. Yeah. Um, But I I think if if I had the time, I could really develop a voice, you know. for Yeah. Yeah. And then also work on developing different voices and things for the various NPCs that they're going to encounter. That'd be something I would love to do. Maybe
2: even costumes, like official yeah, yeah. costumes yeah. for, um, or or just you know something light, maybe like a helm or or a vest or something that each person could wear to sort of get them in the spirit of their character.
0: Very cool.
3: <clears throat> costumes <clears throat> all the way.
2: Oh,
0: costumes <laughs> all the way. Hey, thanks. Uh, thank you, Dave, Uriah. It was a pleasure having you on. I'd love to have you guys on again someday to just uh, talk about games in general. Next time
2: okay yeah, yeah, thanks man. for having us we appreciate it yeah thank Love you it. thank you absolutely
3: thank you for creating and pushing forward with brave endeavor thank you, <laughs> thank you man
0: and uh so er- we'll put some Everlore stuff in the descriptions on both on everywhere this is posted uh till then i'm keegan he's brennan and you can find, you you can find us on Facebook, Podbean, YouTube, but you'll never find me on Twitter. I find it a cesspool. Have a good <laughs> Have a good one everyone. Bye.